Well, we welcome everyone to this week's edition of View from the Press Boxes. Myself and Brad Hallier take a look around Central Kansas at high school and college sports. Well, Brad, I'm, I think we'll start off with what we just got done watching here on Monday evening was the Chiefs going to Orchard Park and defeating the Bills 26-17. Uh, to 17. And, you know, it was uh, kind of the same old Chiefs, you know, the ground and pound that we're used to. Oh, no, wait, that was that was the Jets of old. But <laughs> what, what was this 250-plus yards of rushing that we see out of the Chiefs tonight? And, and why in the world did, did this feel like the game should have been over long before it was? Yeah, first of all, I, I like the uh, I definitely like the approach of uh, running the ball, uh, you know, pounding it. And the, the, the field was sloppy. It was it was raining. I guess it really wasn't sloppy as it's turf, but it was rainy. It wasn't easy conditions maybe to throw the ball cold and rainy. But nevertheless, I really like the approach that they had. You know, the Bills couldn't stop the run. I mean, the Chiefs averaged what? Something like almost six yards a carry. So they definitely uh, did a great job running the ball today. And that was, uh, you know, really big. But boy, I tell you, that, that game felt like it should have been. Uh, about a 17 to 21 point game. I mean, the, the Chiefs doubled up the yardage of the of the Bills, and they just really dominated the game. But they just couldn't seem like uh, to to you know pull away. You know, and that was a six point game, and the, the Chiefs had a couple of third downs there. I thought if if they end up having to punt before they eventually got down there and got in field goal range, um. I was nervous at that point when they just had the ball, but if they had to give that ball away, you just wonder. I saw 24-23 in the back of my mind in that game, <laughs> the way the Bills had gone down the field and on that previous possession. But I, but I guess in the end, you know, you come back to the old adage, um, you go out on the road and, and you didn't probably have your A game maybe. This was probably kind of their B-plus game because overall, I mean, you ended up only giving up 17 points, which – you compare that to the Raider game was way better. You mm-hmm. you were concerned about the amount of defensive penalties. And this is the Rashad Breeland at the first of last year when myself and many people were, were wondering well, why they had him in there, not the Breeland at the end of the year that was so good. I mean, it seems like it's taken mm-hmm. him. I know this is only his second game, but I think he was flagged three or four times in this game. Um, yeah, a lot of penalties. Yeah, and – you know, that kind of kept the Bills hanging around. You know, they kicked the the field goal there um, to make it 23-10 when they just couldn't finish off a drive there and, and really put the game away uh, like you felt like they should. And you looked at the yardage, you looked at the Bills struggling. But I, I guess in the end, they, they, they got it done. But you'd still like to see that complete game out of this team that, that you know is there. I know they were a little beat up. And that's that's bad news with the simile out. It sounds like for the season, got torn cartilage, I think, in both knees, they said. Um, Watkins didn't play, but, um, you know, they'll get Le'Veon Bell next week. And you, you put yep. – you alternate him in there with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, boy, that could add another dimension. So maybe this, maybe this win, they'll go to the Broncos, which is always a tough game in Denver this weekend, the, the late game. Um, but you like some of the things you saw, and if they can build on this, you, you like where they're heading, with, especially with that run game. Yeah, and let's not forget, I mean, the, the Bills are in first place in the AFC East, and while it's too early in the season to say, you know, definitively that the Bills are going to win the AFC East, you know, they were a playoff team last year, and it, it's not a bad team, and, and really the Chiefs have had a fairly tough schedule so far, uh, and, you know, one team that the Bills did beat was the Raiders, so... It, it, it's definitely a, a been a tough schedule so far for the Chiefs, uh, but I do want to see just a little bit more consistency. I'm just not sure we they've put together that four quarters yet. That and and, and we and frankly we didn't see it in the, in the postseason last year either. <laughs> so I don't, maybe it's just that team's DNA. Maybe maybe it's just not in them that they can play four quarters. And unfortunately, you know you can't just turn it on and off because eventually it's going to catch up with you. And, you know they had a great start with the Raiders and they end up losing the game. So. Uh, I, I do like their chances against the Broncos, and then the the, the you know schedule kind of lightens up a little bit. They got the Jets after that, uh, they got the Panthers, and then they got their bye week, and then they got a couple of really good games after that with the Raiders and the Buccaneers. So, uh, good good chance for the Chiefs to maybe uh, build some more momentum, get, get maybe get maybe build about a two game lead on the Raiders when they got that game coming up after the bye week. So, but yeah, I would like to see just maybe a little bit more consistency, and, and I tell you, consistency 
What's happened to Harrison Butker? Oh my goodness, uh, that's his fourth missed extra point since he looked like a uh, he was a world beater in that Chargers game, um, and since then uh, he's been anything but perfect. Just really struggling, and and I never thought I'd hear myself saying this. Or if this continues, or are they going to have to look for a kicker midseason? I mean that that's crazy to say, but they have yeah, to. don't you think they have I to? Know. At some point, I mean. You know, the conditions, the conditions, again, not easy to kick in those conditions today. But at the same time, you know, that's what he's paid to do. He's paid to make those kicks. We know what he's capable of. I'm, I'm just wondering, that, look, Scott, we've seen it on the golf course. You know, guys just all of a sudden get the yips. I'm just wondering if right now, does Harrison Bucker just have a simple case of the yips right now? I think – I don't think anything, you know, wrong with his form or any of that. The holds have been good. I, yeah, I think it – you know, it was surprising the extra point he missed tonight. The ones I had seen him miss, he'd been pulling left. And yep. maybe this yep. was a little overcompensation tonight. He, he knew he'd been doing that, and he left this one wide right. So maybe you think he's getting plenty of reps. I mean, the Chiefs haven't missed many practice, just a couple in there with the COVID concerns. But I think maybe more reps and just more practice. He'll get back in, in a groove, just like you said, a golfer. Um but boy, if you don't see it by, you know, that midseason type trade deadline and all of that, you, you really might have to consider uh, pulling the trigger there. I hope not because he's done so many good things for the Chiefs. But, mm-hmm. um, yep. boy, you got to have that reliability back there. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, he was so reliable up into that Chargers game. And, you know, if it comes down to another game where, you know, you got a 41-yard field goal to, to, to win it, I mean, at this point, I'm not sure I feel confident about it. Oh, no. And, you know, he was banging in those, you know, 58-yarders in that Charger game like they were the old extra points. It was just – it was automatic. And now <laughs> it seems uh, anything but. But, again, the, the Chiefs and Broncos, again, that's in the late slot coming up on Sunday. Well, at Astra, we've got a special game for you. Actually, tomorrow, Brad, I just picked this game up today. We're going to have the – Opening night of the six-man playoffs for you tomorrow. I've got to double-check on the station. Um, it's going to be the Cunningham Wildcats. They are a perfect 5-0 and this year, and they'll be hosting the Northern Valley Huskies. They are 2-4. and You know, I was supposed to see a six-man game last week, uh, but Burton got COVIDed out of that game, couldn't pick up another game. And this one to my schedule. I actually have them uh, Tuesday if they advance. I'll have them again on Saturday. Uh, Cunningham came off of a 52-7 victory against Pawnee Heights. Uh, Northern Valley fell 46-0. It was a second loss to um, Chai Lin, who's the other undefeated team. Um, I believe, let me double check the bracket. Actually, Ashland is 4-0, so there's, there's three teams uh, out of the eight undefeated that go into the six-man playoffs, but uh, Cunningham with a, a team that didn't have one all um, postseason honors. Not a single player got any postseason honors from this team last year um, that struggled a little bit last year. And, boy, they have put it together this season to go 5-0. and Their closest game was in the opener on September 4th when they won 44-26 at Rolla. And the interesting thing about this Pawnee Heights win we say it was a six-man game. This actually ended up as a four-man game, and one of Pawnee Heights' players after injuries was a girl that had started the season as the team manager. So, uh, uh, so Cunningham, wow, kind of got a six-man game this last week. Kind of didn't, but uh, they look prime, Brad, to me to uh, to roll Northern Valley tomorrow. What do you think of this one? You know, when we talk about some of the great stories in Kansas high school football this year, I think you really have to start with Cunningham. If you go back to 2012, they had a good season that year. They went four, well, good season. They went four and five. So, you know, nothing really wrong with that. Then you get into 2013, they go 0 and 8. So, you know, they don't win a single game. Then the next year, 2014, they go 0 and 9. And two of those losses were by forfeit. And then they didn't even have a football team from 2015 to 2018. They uh, did some co-ops. Uh, I think they combined with Kingman eventually, just uh, played along with them at 11 man. And then even last year, uh, they officially went one and seven, but their one win was a forfeit. So they haven't won a game before this year. They had not won a football game since 2012. And not only have they won every game this year, 
but they go into the playoffs as one of the favorites. I mean, what what a great story. In yeah, it's, it is a fantastic story. I was looking at some of the information that uh, got from their coach, and he was just talking about, you know, how how unexpected it was. He's talking about, you know, the kids that worked hard, but like I said, no all-league or, or no postseason recognition in six-man for any of his players last year. And to come in and work hard like that, take on the challenges of this, you never know when, if you're going to play, if you're not going to play this year, um, with fewer teams to choose from to try to reschedule when, when somebody couldn't play. And and to just be rolling over everybody like they are into the playoffs, it's a – it's exciting. I I was excited last week. I get to see my first six man game this week, a playoff game, and uh, if they win, they would get the uh, winner on Saturday of four and one Moscow. They are going to be at three and one Natoma, so that would be a, a really fun game on Saturday. But I'm excited. Uh, six man's a fun game. I'm excited to see them. Yeah, I can't wait to hear your report. I'll have to tune in and listen to that one. I can't wait to hear and. Uh... See, uh, talk to you uh, about what six man football. Yeah, and again, all about. I, I need to double check. I don't have uh, uh, information in front of me. See what station that's on tomorrow. So uh, maybe we can look that up before we're done. We'll let you know on that as we kind of fast forward to Friday. So let's move up two man. Let's go to eight man and talk about our game coming up on Friday night. That's going to be the Central Christian Cougars. At home, they're three and four, two and three in district play, hosting the Stafford Trojans, who overall are above 500, four and three, but an identical two and three mark in the district. Um, last week, Stafford took it on the chin at home against Norwich, 68 to 20. And boy, when I saw this score come in, I wasn't surprised at the outcome, the, the, the degree of the outcome, which Central Plains rolled Central Christian there in Hutch last week, 54 to nothing, right. shocked me. I did not think it would be um, that level of blowout. And now this is a huge game. This is, um, you know, they're at two and three. Peabody's a game ahead with South Barber at three and two in the district standings for the three and four slot. South Barber. Uh, is that a winless South Haven team? They look to probably secure the three seed. Peabody, however, is at four and one in the district Norwich. So if you look at this, if Central Christian wins this game, they have the head-to-head on Peabody. They would get that four slot um, if Stafford would win, and, and that would knock Central Christian out. Stafford would then have a chance, um, but they lost to Peabody. So uh, there's a whole lot on the line in this game, especially for Central Christian. Yeah, I think Stafford has also lost to South yes. Barber. So I'm not sure if Stafford has a, a, a means to getting into the playoffs. Uh, I'd have to do some serious digging to, to look at all that stuff. But uh, so I, I don't know if Stafford's necessarily playing for anything, unfortunately. But, yeah, Central Christian's got all to play for. Uh, you know, they go out and, and they win this game and then they got to do some scoreboard watching with Peabody, Burns and Norwich. And if uh, Norwich can beat Peabody and Central Christian wins, Central Christian is in. And, and like you said, we don't expect South Barber to have much trouble with South Haven, but you could still have a three way tie for the third place. And, you know, somebody would be out then and you have to go down to tiebreakers and all that. But uh, but I was also looking at this. It's uh, it's entirely possible that Central Christian. Uh, well, actually, it looks like if they do get in, they would uh, actually go to Victoria, undefeated Victoria. So that would be a very difficult first round matchup. But still, uh, this is a virtual playoff game, and it's it's going to be yeah, a, lot, it'll of be a lot of fun. As again, we'll have that game on ninety four seven, and it should be a great game. These two teams look very evenly matched up on paper. I know Stafford's got um, a really good three headed monster there in the backfield as far as their running attack, and and we know Central Christian can. They can score when they get on a roll, so we'll have a lot of fun with this one. The other game uh, coming up this Friday night that last week really shocked me was the Bueller Crusaders. They're they're going to go back out on the road. Mm-hmm. They are three and three overall. The good news is that side of four A is is up for grabs as far as those home field spots. They go to a one and four circle team that's uh, struggled. They circle lost forty three ten at El Dorado, but Bueller at home lost and lost convincingly 27-13 to a one win now two win Wellington team and when I saw them 
um, give up the last. Uh, Wellington scored 20 unanswered. Yeah, 20 unanswered in that game. It was 13-7 Bueller. Might have even been 13-0 Bueller. Um, that shocked me that, that, that Bueller, especially at home, lost to Wellington Friday night. Yeah, that was it, it was needless to say, that was disappointing. If, if for no other reason, then Bueller had a, had the inside track to the number three seed on the western uh, half of the of the bracket. And what that would have done was it would have uh, they would have been opposite of their of their kryptonite, as you say, McPherson. Uh, not to say that we had to lay up with Sandover Central, but now what Bueller's looking at is you like to think that they'll win this one, and if they do, they'll get a first round home game, and maybe even two. Just kind of depends on what happens uh, elsewhere with El Dorado and Rose Hill, but boy, it's it was just disappointing to see that that game turn out the way it did. Uh, Wellington went ahead with about six minutes left, and then they did, they did kind of a pooch kickoff, and uh, Bueller didn't handle that, and and uh, Wellington recovered it. So. Uh, and then the, you know the momentum just went on from there. It was that that to me was just disappointing, Scott. And that, uh, obviously we don't we don't see Bueller that often. But I am wondering if teams are probably essentially just daring them to go to anybody but Sam Elton. Yeah, the loaded box is going to be the standard defense against Bueller until you know we've been talking a lot about it, until they can consistently prove they can throw the football, especially downfield a little bit to loosen everything up. And again, like you said, we don't. We don't get to see Bueller very often, but that was one. It still was one. A little bit of a hangover, I'm sure, from the McPherson loss the previous week. But you know, I thought once they got going and it looked like they had early on, I, I thought they would take care of Wellington. And Wellington had other ideas. Give them credit; they came in uh, with a one win, yep. knowing that you know they're going to be on the road probably no matter what happens. And give Wellington credit; they they went in and, and got a big W Friday. And it's probably a little bit of a deceiving one-win record because they gave a good Rose Hill team a decent game, twenty-eight to twenty. They went to overtime with undefeated or previously undefeated Clearwater, so they had a couple of decent performances. So maybe it was a little bit deceiving they had just had one win, but still a very disappointing result for Bueller last week. If for no other reason, like I said, because they had the in track, uh, inside track to the number three seed on the West. Now they can still finish as high as I think four, uh, maybe even three. But it's looking like, uh, just based on the other matchups, uh, El Dorado plays a uh, uh, one-win uh, Winfield team, and Rose Hill plays Independence, who's just incredibly one and two this year. So Bueller's looking at, even if they win, probably the five seed. Uh, and then after a first-round game, if they win, that would, would have to go to a good so Rose that'll Hill. That'll be team. Bueller trying to rebound that circle on 95.9 on Friday. District title on the line on 100.3 KNZS. It'll be the Hillsborough Trojans, who are now 5-2 and two and a perfect 4-0 in the district. They are at uh, Hutch Trinity, who's 6-1, and 3-1 and one overall. Um, Trinity lost in a thriller at Haven, 20-18. to 18. We talked a lot about that game last week. It turned out to not disappoint anyone. Hillsborough, however, uh, did not play. The, um, Lions was unable to play, I think, due to COVID concerns again. And I did notice in there, and we'll talk a little bit later about this, I see that as a forfeit win for Hillsborough, um, which we'll talk about. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the Andale game a little bit later. I see where Andale, they had a cancellation in a district game, but they weren't credited with a win in that game, at least the material I was looking at. So, I'm not sure why that was the situation, but Hillsboro gets the win. And from what I understand, even though Haven right now is sitting there with just one loss in the district, um, and they ex- they're expected to win on Friday, they can mathematically, I guess, they cannot win the district due to the point differential. At least from again, from what I understand, uh, they they can be the two yes. or the three seed. Uh, if Hillsboro would win this game, they would be the two. If Trinity would win this game, then Trinity would be the one, Hillsborough the two, and Haven the three. Um, but this is an intriguing right. game. Trinity, I said that Haven game, Haven jumped out to the early lead. They led this game, I believe it was 14 nothing, And uh, Trinity got up 18-14, and then Haven scored late in the game to, to win by two. And um now some adversity for Trinity, really, for the first time this year. And they take on a Hillsborough team that's really figured things out after a slow start. How do you see this one? And this one is in Hutchison this weekend. 
you know, the thing that I and, and, and you know, no one from Trinity is going to want to hear this. But the thing I actually uh, took from that game was I was impressed at how they saw adversity really for the first time since the opener with Inman. And what I mean by that is they Haven came out and hit them in the mouth. It was 14 nothing, And they had no answer really for Darby Roper, the talented Haven quarterback. And the, and the physicality of the game kind of wore on Trinity a little bit as, as the game wore on. But they got a touchdown. They got a field goal to end the first half. They get a safety. Then they get another touchdown. They go up 18 to 14. So they did well, despite that early deficit, to, you know, again, they had not faced much adversity this year. And they came back and they, and they took the lead. So now they have adversity again this week going into the Hillsborough game. And, you, and you're absolutely right that, that Haven cannot win the district because the most points they can get is 13 uh, in that point differential thing. So that means I think the best they could do is 37. And the worst Trinity could do is 48. So, yeah, Haven doesn't have a chance, unfortunately, to win the district. But I, I'm gonna be, I'm very curious how Tr- Trinity bounces back this week. Uh, I was talking to Coach Jordan Bell. He's actually not concerned about it at all. He kind of figured, yes, it hurts. We're going to come in Saturday. We're going to watch film, and then we're going to move on to, to Hillsboro. So he's pretty pretty confident that his team is going to bounce back. He's pretty confident that they're going to leave the Haven loss in the past. And let's face it, that, that loss wasn't a fluke. I mean, Haven's a legitimately yeah, good I, team. I, I haven't looked at all the potential one, four, two, three matchups, but I think Haven's going to be rooting very hard for Hillsborough in this game because the difference between the two and three seed <laughs> is avoiding Holcomb in the first round over in that. Oh, no, wait. Am I in the wrong classification there? No, that would be. Yeah, the yeah. what, what, what would happen is the top two teams in District uh, the, District six. 5 pairs up with District 6. And so what that means is that the three seed Kingman. is probably That's it. Yeah, Kingman. I had the wrong district there. Yeah, they have to go to Kingman instead of host a home game. That's right. the Garden playing Kingman district over there. Uh, so I think Haven, you know, they got to take care of their business. Uh, and I believe – um, I believe that is – is that Marion they have on Friday night? Uh, or is Haven that Sterling? Take, uh, uh, let's see. At they Sterling. Play, they okay. play I at mean, Sterling, they have to take care yes. of their business first, but I think Haven certainly is going to be rooting very hard for Hillsborough to win this game. Yeah, and uh, here – you know, the difference for, for Trinity – here's the difference for Trinity. If Haven wins – Trinity either hosts by winning a Chaparral team that they've already beaten 42 to 18 this year, or they're going to have to go to Kingman. Mm-hmm. And we know all about Kingman, who's going to be six and probably six and two. So, boy, I tell you what, that's so well, much Trinity at Kingman. Uh, they don't want to hear it. That would be an intriguing matchup. Well, so would Haven at Kingman. I mean, wh- whatever we get out of that for her Ad Astor right. concerns is fantastic. I mean, it really is. We'll, we'll have a, <laughs> a fantastic game. Right. Um, no matter what it is. But again, that'll be Hillsboro at Trinity on 100.3. Now, our Kicks Country game, as of right now, as it stands, is supposed to be Marion at Lions. Now, um, I'm highly doubting, Brad. Right now, it's still scheduled. I have not heard if this game is is being postponed. Well, at this point, it would not be postponed. It would be canceled um, due to concerns for Lions. So I'm not sure if this game going forward, this is a – um, for Marion's concerns, beating Sterling last week, if they do not play, get a four-foot win, they're the four seed. So, um, and yep. Marion would be probably expected to beat Lions if they do play. So, um, if this game goes forward, it's a huge game for uh, for Marion, as they could actually get the four seed and make the playoffs. Yeah, and you definitely uh, want if you're Marion, you you're just coming off that nice win, and boy, you want to keep building on that and and go into the postseason with a little bit of momentum. I mean, yeah, the 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 task will be tall going to Garden Plain, but still, you what you like to get a game in before that. Um, but hey, how about Marion? You know, let's give them some credit. I mean, that's a that was a tremendous victory that they had last week, beating Sterling twenty-two to twenty. And keep in mind, before that, uh, Marion had scored just 20 points on the season going into that game. They scored eight against Douglas, six against Keeman, and six against Haven. And then they go out and score 22 in what, what uh, was essentially a must-win game. So a lot of credit to Marion to to come back after a really tough start to the season and now put themselves yeah, in position a, to make the playoffs. sterling defense we know can be kind of salty. Um, and they were playing, of course, without their 
their quarterback in that game, but it was a very good game. And again, um, if that game goes forward, that will be the kicks country game. If not, I'm assuming we'll probably try to um, switch a game and, and fill a game in there again, just uh, tune in to adastroradio.com and the sports page throughout the week to see if Marionette Lions will get played on this Friday night. Uh, the stream game this week, very interesting, is going to have uh, Heston at Clearwater, 4-3 and three Heston. They're just 1-3 and three in the district. Uh, Clearwater's 5-2. and two. They're 2-2 two and two in the district. Heston won 54-13 at Wichita Trinity. Clearwater, actually a pretty good loss Friday night, Brad, 40-21 at Andale. That is one of Andale's if not their closest game, one of their closest of the season. So Clearwater, um, they got a ton to play for. Heston, their only chance at the playoff is to win this game. And I still don't know that they would get in because Halstead, I believe they have. Wichita Trinity expected to win that game. And Halstead, of course, um, has the head-to-head. And so I don't expect um, Halstead or Heston probably to, uh, to get in the into the playoffs, but how do you see Clearwater and Heston on Friday? Well, it should be a, you know, I would never count out Heston. Uh, it's a pretty tough matchup there. You know, Clearwater's played very well this year, as you pointed out, Scott. The thing that is a little intriguing to me, let's say Heston does pull off the upset. Now, Clearwater's point differential is so good that in the case of a three-way tie, they would be safe. But what would then happen is then if, if, if you got Heston uh, beating Clearwater, and then Trinity, and then uh, Halstead beating Wichita Trinity, you have three, two, and three teams for two playoff spots. And Halstead, despite that win over Heston, might be in trouble there because they are currently ten points behind Heston in the uh, point differential. And you know the most you can get is thirteen. So uh, if Halstead gets the maximum, that takes them down to what thirty-two. So all Heston would need would be a four-point win. So that big win Halstead Halstead had over Heston. May not matter if uh, Heston can beat Clearwater, and, and I would just no. Never they're count they're on the Heston road; they're reeling Scott. a little bit. Um, you know, we saw the Halstead win there at Heston, and and Clearwater. Like I said, coming off of a good loss, we know they're a good team. I, I, I would favor Clearwater in this game, but you know that Heston, um, if they get rolling, um, they can beat anybody, and that will be an interesting game. And you know that Halstead will be rooting for Clearwater in that game. So if, if they beat Trinity, they Halstead would get that four seed and make the playoffs. Again, that's our stream game. couple other games. Uh, we want to look at another game in that district just because it's the, it's the blue bloods of the district, Brad. 6-0 and Andale. They're 3-0 and in the district at Wichita Collegiate. 7-0 and and also... Um, 3-0 and in district play. Actually, I believe that should be 4-0 and for them in district play. Um, we mentioned the Andale win, 40-21 to versus Clearwater. Wichita Collegiate shut out Halstead on the road, 33-2-0. So the Blue Bloods match up. Who wins this one? I have a hard time going up against uh, anybody or picking against anybody but Andale. I mean, I'm, I'm taking Andale on this one now. Uh, Collegiate... Uh, you know, this is one of those years where they've got a team that's good enough to get all the way to the state championship game. And here's the thing is that I don't think any one of us would be surprised if we see these two teams meet up again. Now, 3A is obviously loaded. I mean, you got Scott City in District 6. You got Southeast of Saline undefeated right now. Uh, Riley County is always a tough team. They're in District 5. And then, of course, you got undefeated Cheney, 6-1 and Holcomb. So 3A is just loaded right now. And uh, But still, I would not be surprised to see these two teams maybe meeting up again. But uh, as it yeah, stands right it's, now, I'm taking It's hard Andale for me also. I've seen Andale to, to, to pick against them. And, again, this is that weird one. When I looked at the schedule, I think it was on K-Preps and stuff, they listed the Trinity, Wichita Trinity game, which would be a district game for Andale, as canceled, not a forfeit. It was a couple of weeks ago, and, and so they did not get a credit for a win per se, in that game, and we pointed that out, that Hillsborough did for the Lions, so I'm not sure why, if that just mm-hmm. wasn't properly added in there as it was, or if that is correct. Um, at this point, it doesn't matter. I mean, the winner of this game is the one, the loser is the two-seed right. in this district. Um, interestingly enough, the three-seed out of this district would get Holcomb, uh, 
and the, uh, the four seed gets Cheney. I don't, I don't envy the four seed. I really don't envy the three seed either. We know Holcomb's pretty good, but, uh, and that could be Clearwater Holcomb being an intriguing first round matchup. Yep. Yeah. How'd you like to, how'd you like to be Cheney, you know, sitting there undefeated going into the playoffs and you got a, and, and, and your first test. Yeah. The running Lincoln attack, that would be, uh-huh. You'd be a little <laughs> nervous going in. You certainly would favor Cheney, but, like we saw, if Halstead gets Lake and Farmer going, they can they can pull the upset. Maybe uh, the other marquee matchup in the area is also for a district championship. We have six and one, five and zero oh, Smith Center. They're traveling to six and one, five and zero oh, the Inman Teutons. Uh, Smith Center took care of El Saline on Friday night, forty six thirteen. I had the Remington at Inman game and. There wasn't 54-13, and it was not that close, Brad. Uh, for a trap game, what it looked like could be for Inman. I mean, they just came out from the word go and dominated this game. Inman, mm-hmm. not very big, especially they're not big up front, but they are fast. Their skill players are talented. Uh, saw one of the best punt returns for a touchdown in that game I have ever seen um, at any level. It was an amazing return. And by Harrison Brunk in that game, a 54, 56-yard punt return, gets to the sideline, weaves through would-be tacklers to score. And I tell you, Inman is the real deal. Their only loss, that week one loss to Trinity, 26 to 20. And Smith Center's only loss is to a really good Norton team, also in week one of the season. So these two teams, both on a 6-0 and run, how do you see this one breaking down uh, in Inman on Friday night? Well, first of all, Scott, this has to be the biggest football game in the city of Inman in quite some time. I know they had I know they had a playoff game or two there last year, but this is Smith Center. This is the small town eleven man blue blood. I mean, there is, when, when you talk about. Yep small town football in Kansas. The first city you think of is Smith center. And it doesn't matter, you know, if they're a state champion or a quarterfinalist. I mean, small town football in Kansas begins and ends with Smith center. So this is as big of a football game as the city of Inman and the high school has hosted in a long time. I expect there's going to be a lot of people in Inman Friday night. And I'm very curious how, I mean, this is the kind of game that these Inman boys have been prepping for in, you know, the quarterback, uh, Jace Derrickson, I mean, 900, he's thrown for almost 1,000 yards. You saw him uh, last Friday. Uh, they got such a good team this year, uh, a, a playoff experience team. And I, re- I I can't say one way or the other which way this game. This, this is a toss-up, I think. I, you know, it's just going to be one of those games, you know, comes down to probably turnovers, who can take advantage, who can maybe convert some more third downs and stay on the field a little bit longer. I mean, there's really, in my opinion, not much into this game. I, I do as well. Really the tight only thing, when I saw Inman that I thought what could really give Inman trouble would be a very uh, physical, big offensive-slash-defensive line if they ran into it because Inman is not big up front. They are as fast to the football as I have seen at, at 1, 2A, or maybe possibly even 3A. They've got incredible team speed. But if somebody can come right at them with power and do it really well, I think that could be the one kryptonite. I don't know how big Smith Center is. I know Smith Center will come right at you. And so I think I think we could see the old irresistible force, immovable object with Inman speed and maybe Smith Center's power uh, matching up on Friday night. And again, that just adds another intriguing element. I, I, I wish if, if we weren't doing a game on Friday night, I know where I would be. <laughs> right yeah and, and smith center is well known for their power football and again we, we haven't seen smith center but the the, the probability of them being a, a big strong physical team just like most of the smith center teams of the past is probably pretty high so it will be interesting to see if smith center comes in with a physical run game which they always have so again that'll be over in inman on friday night i, I gotta find somebody to text me some updates of of that one while we were doing our game over in Hutchison. Well, that's the high school schedule. We'll move into the college ranks and the Sterling Warriors. This is their scheduled bye week. They have had a couple of unexpected bye weeks this year due to COVID concerns. And this past Saturday, Brad, it was a 
it was a good start and a disappointing ending for the Sterling Warriors as they lost 26-21 to Bethany with seven seconds left on the clock on Saturday after having a 21-6 lead going into the fourth quarter of this game. And uh, it was it was not a pretty game, Brad. There was a lot of there was a lot of penalties in this game. Sterling at eight for seventy-one. Bethany eleven for one hundred and one. Both teams hurt themselves there. Um, the real difference in this game is kind of what we have seen throughout the year. The the rushing totals were one rush difference: fifty-two for Sterling, fifty-one for Bethany. But Bethany had a hundred more yards on the ground: two eighty-four to one eighty-four. And even though Bethany only had ninety-three passing yards. Sterling with uh, Carl Schofield, just six of 11 for 26 yards and an interception. And Sterling in the first half missed two short field goals when it was 7-6 that they led of 29 and 27, which really could have, um, obviously with a a five-point differential, can make a huge difference, those six points that were left out there. And, uh, boy, they, they ran a very controversial no call on the next to last play that Bethany ran before they scored. Um, quarterback d- drifted back in the pocket um, with just one timeout left. Appeared to be sacked back out around the, the Sterling 40. He saw the ball come out, picked up by Sterling. It was all blown dead. It was not ruled down. And also not ruled intentional grounding when the ball only moved maybe three yards um, forward. Uh, we were we were shocked there was no penalty, so they moved the ball back um, inside the thirty where it was. It would have been a monster loss. Uh, threw a swing pass to their their running back who went up the sideline and cut back for the touchdown, and it was a tough loss. Um, tough loss for Sterling, and they they continue to be really beat up and struggling going into their bye week, and then they're going to go on Halloween to Southwestern, who, oh, by the way, went to Salina and thumped Kansas Wesleyan 42-21 on yep. Saturday. So to say yep. it's uh, only going to get tougher, probably an understatement for the Sterling Warriors. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was really kind of ho- – you know, we, we obviously don't openly root for teams in the media, Scott, but I was really hoping that Sterling would get that one uh, – you know, it's been such a tough road for them so far this season with the uh, injuries galore, and they've had some bright moments, and their defense came to play on Saturday, only allowing 26 points and uh, just a tough fourth quarter. And, gosh, it just seems like that whatever yeah, they can go wrong to, is going wrong guys for them coming right out, beat up. They did get you – know, Daniel Dorscar had a nice afternoon running the football um, at times uh, in the second half. They just never – they had one driver it really seemed like um, – Carl Schofield hit a couple of nice shorter range passes and he thought it was starting to get going, but the same thing in the fourth quarter, the offense stalled out the defense. You could see, especially when it got to be 21 uh, to, to 13, uh, it was just, you could see that the defense was wearing down and if and the offense, they had a chance when it was, uh, let me get to this, the right score when it was 21, 19, they had a fourth and about three down inside the Bethany 40 with a little over two minutes to go, maybe two, two and a half minutes. It was the right call. They went for it. They, they, they went with the run that they had success with, got stopped about a yard short. And he just kind of thought, "Can't I don't know if that defense can hold up. And they came one play away from holding up. But oh, it, it, it's, it was a tough one to watch. It really was. You felt for those <laughs> kids, on home, especially on homecoming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just it. You just feel for the kids. I mean, they've it, it's it's unprecedented times that they're in. It's stressful for them right now, not knowing week to week if they're good, if they're even going to play, and trying to go to college on top of that, and trying to be you know making the smart decisions regarding COVID and trying to protect themselves, and you just want them to feel good about something. And they're so close to getting that winning feeling. And uh, like you said, <laughs> week off, and then yeah, Southwestern. That, yeah. Halloween. I hope it doesn't turn into a nightmare on Halloween. Not not to be funny there, but uh, boy, how tough is that going to be? And you know, hope maybe maybe they can get Ethan Richardson back for that game. Um, starting quarterback. He's now missed a couple of games. Um, 
maybe they can get him back, maybe get a get a little healthier. Uh, but that that again would be October thirty first at Winfield for the Sterling Warriors. Now zero and four on the season. Um, again, a surprise Southwestern, a surprise team. Hopefully Bethel can get back in action. They've missed a couple of weeks with COVID concerns, and uh, we'll see how that all works out over the next couple of weeks. And here, here's the time we always uh, dread during our uh, podcast. It's KU football time, Brad. Uh, <laughs> if you saw the first quarter on Saturday at West Virginia, you needed to shut the TV down and, and be happy as the Jayhawks surprised West Virginia in that first quarter actually <laughs> uh, moved the ball. The defense got a couple of stops, led 10 nothing. Problem was West Virginia then scored 38 um, and got rolling uh, as you thought they probably would. Um, so you saw some fight out of KU, but Miles um, Kendrick still just um, – you know, even the first touchdown pass to get at the 10 to nothing, Brad, should have been an interception. I mean, it went off of the defender's shoulder pad. Um, you got to get those breaks right. when you're yep. struggling. I understand that. Um, but still, then the offense bogged down and the defense got wore out. And they'll play at K-State, their rival. I know Skylar Thompson's out for the year, but K-State, you talk about a lot to play for, sitting in a three-way tie atop the big 12, you know, they'll, they'll have something, they'll be ready for KU. Do you see the, the sunflower showdown, um, being a ball game? No, and, and not at all. And it got even worse for the Jayhawks today. I don't know if you saw this or not, Scott, but Puka Williams has decided to leave KU. Uh, it looks like he's having some family trouble back in Louisiana, uh, with his mother. Uh, mm. he kind of hinted at some illness in the family with her, and just from seeing some of the responses uh, from teammates, from Coach Les Miles, from Puka to Miles, doesn't seem to be any hard feelings here whatsoever. Um, obviously, you hope that there's nothing you know seriously wrong with his mother. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in his college career someplace else, though. Uh, great player. Obviously, he's an elite running back. Uh, but boy, I tell you, you know, a, a bad KU team just got really bad now because you just took away their one bona fide. NFL caliber threat and what's going to be what was going to be a tough task this weekend is well, going to be I, I'm glad the Chiefs the won Hawks. because that would have just been the coup de gras for this Monday for me for football hearing that Puka's gone um and this may sound <laughs> bad Brad I hope he continues his career somewhere else um when, when he gets fam when whatever the family issues are and we hope it's not right. serious um, with his family uh, but you'd like to see the young man you know, um, finish, finish his college career. Cause he does have the NFL potential, um, with the team where he can get noticed where maybe his, his skills can get better showcased, um, where he's not, like you said, the one and only, um, true offensive option for a team. So I, I do wish him well. And for KU, um, you know, you talk about, they, they usually have that one game a year. I, again, I don't expect it to be against K state. Hopefully, Hopefully it will come this year and you're not looking at um, 0-10 for the Jayhawks this year, but wow, I think they're going to get to 0-5 this weekend, although. Just just not seeing it, Scott. I just don't see how there's any kind of hope right now for the Jayhawks to, frankly, to even be competitive at this point in the season. I mean, the, the the saving grace is a lot of young guys are playing. It's going to help them in the long run, help them next year. Uh, but boy, I, I, there's just no hope for this KU team. I mean, now, I, on the I, other side of the football, the do you think K State can still um, contend for the Big Twelve title without Skylar Thompson at quarterback? They have to rely more on their defense, Scott, and they do have a pretty good defense, including former Hutchinson Community mm-hmm. College star Kamari Gaines, who I had in class. But uh, but uh, nice kid. I really liked him. Uh, but I, it, they're going to have to win more with their defense. And I, you know, at some point we know how the Big Twelve operates. Although I think the defenses are a little underrated in the Big Twelve. I do think at some point they're going to run into a game where they're going to need to score thirty-five points to win. And I just don't think without Skylar Thompson they can do that. So if they can find a way to win with defense uh, from here on out, they're going to be able to win some games still. 
I just yeah, don't know I'm, if they're going to do way. enough just, to maybe avoid um, a couple losses. You can't take a starting quarterback off of a team like that when you still have games that, that they still have to play. They still have the Iowa State, the, K, uh, the Oklahoma State. They still have Texas um, coming up on that schedule. And I'm like you, I just don't think they can navigate all of that without, like you said, a game where they've got to have some offense just because the, the defense doesn't have it that day. And I, I, they're going to still be a very good team, um, but I do not think they will win the Big 12 title this season. Unfortunately for them, we hate, hated to see that happen, but um, you got to move forward and next man up and hopefully uh, the Cats can, can contend. We'll, we'll see how that all works out. Um, for my final thoughts this weekend, this is going to have very little, I guess, to do with, with sports that we look at. But as I was on my way to the Inman game this past Friday night, and we knew that the Lions-Hillsboro game wasn't um, going on, but then my phone starts blowing up with uh, text messages about what most people know was now the double shooting that occurred in Lyons on Friday afternoon, which involved Lyons yep. high school teacher and head men's basketball coach, Brian Fries, also um, Lyons police officer, um, Corey Ryan, that were both shot that afternoon in Lyons. Um, the, the good news, I did see updates on both this weekend and one just this morning. Um, coach Fries, he's back at home. Um, he's doing very well. Um, he actually said that the, the two places he was shot, those bullets are going to be part of him now. They're not going to go in and um, one's, one's next to a rib. And one that, uh, <laughs> wow. I'm trying to remember was if it was in an arm or where the second bullet was. Um, he, he, he put something on Facebook thanking all the people for their thoughts and prayers and that he was doing really well and was kind of overwhelmed with all of the, the response. And then um, Officer Ryan is doing amazingly well today he's setting up he's off the ventilator he's actually i guess he loves dr pepper his wife was um sending out this and he got to take a drink of dr pepper this morning um so everything pointing upward and and unfortunately there was um they took the the suspect into custody without any further uh, bloodshed he didn't force force the issue with the massive police uh, presence that was in Lions. They had SWAT. I mean, they had it all in Lions by about four thirty or five o'clock on Friday. Um, but you know, I'm just you know want to continue to send out my my thoughts. That's where I, I was born and raised and went to school, and I still live only um, ten miles from town. Um, still know a lot of people there. Um, Doug Higgins, the voice of the Lions, Lions. He was the first one that alerted me to what kind of was going on, and just want to continue to pray for for Brian and Corey and their families that they will recover fully, but it just, it kind of, kind of brings you down to earth. You know, it was just um, summer of 19 where the sheriff and undersheriff were both shot um, over by Sterling. So within 16 months, you had three police officers and yep. Um, yep. Alliance high school coach teacher shot in, in, in little lions, Kansas. So it kind of, kind of made you stop and think that, you know, these things can and do happen in, these sleepy small communities that we think are, are, which normally are very safe, but it just makes you think how short life can be when, when those kind of things happen. Yeah. And, you know, wonderfully stated, Scott, I mean, obviously our thoughts are with uh, the victims and we hope that they uh, get a full recovery. Um, you know, my, my final thoughts aren't quite as serious as, as, as yours there, Scott. Uh, but, I do want to point out that uh, there is a great story unfolding in the city of Hutchinson right now. It doesn't have anything to do with football. I know we talk a lot of football, but I wanted to bring something up here. There's not a lot of athletics going on at Hutchinson mm -hmm. Community College right now, Scott, uh, just golf and cross country. Right now, the men's golf team at Hutchinson Community College, according to golfstat.com, is the number one team in the country. They, they, they use uh, just stats, you know, score to par and all that to, to figure this out. But right now, the Blue Dragons are at the NJCAA Division I National Preview Tournament, which usually draws the best team, the best JUCO teams from the country. They go down and they play at the, what is going to be the national tournaments and all that, uh, kind of late in the fall. And right now, through two rounds at the National Preview, Scott, the Blue Dragons have a 36-shot lead. 36 Shot lead through two rounds. Nope. They are 31 of 
31 under par right now. Uh, and we don't know, obviously, what schools uh, maybe didn't come for COVID concerns or who maybe who aren't playing. But Odessa and Western Texas are two colleges that are usually among the best. Uh, McLennan is another one that's there. They're, they usually do well. And Odessa is, is in second, 36 strokes back. And just what this Blue Dragon golf team, wow, I tell you what, uh, I, I've known Coach Chris Young a long time. And, boy, I tell you what, they, they got the look of a team that you don't think of a great golf being played in, in Kansas. But, boy, I tell you what, uh, you know, those Texas schools and those Florida schools and those Arizona schools and Alabama, they better watch out because these, dra- these Blue Dragon golfers are breathing fire. And I tell you what, this is a legitimate national championship contender. What a cool deal that would be. Uh, well, to I don't see care that, who uh, you're playing against or what course Kansas. it's on. 31 under par as a team through just two days with a, a 36-shot lead. That's just – that's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm a golf. I'm a I mean, I'm a high school golfer. Yeah, I, I don't it play is. much anymore. <laughs> um, was on a good team, and I mean, that's just man, that 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 is impressive. I, I I'm glad you brought that up. I had, I had no idea that that team was playing um, playing that good at golf in, in in Central Kansas. Well, Charlie Crockett, he's British. He's uh, he actually, I believe, had an offer to go to Wichita State. Uh, but he was granted another year of eligibility, obviously, due to COVID. He decided to come back on the unfinished business <laughs> stuff. Scott, today he shot a 64. <laughs> They're playing at the Rawls course. I believe that's down in Texas, perhaps. Uh, but he shot his first round 69 and his second round. He's 11 under, he's 11 under par right now. And currently wow. the top six it golfers are under par. Brings me back to the, Michael Gellerman, who uh... – Played high school golf at um, Sterling High School and then at Oklahoma. Uh, currently is kind of going between the um, Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour um, this last year. He's, he's made it that far. He's made several cuts on the PGA Tour, doing, doing really well in 2019. Won an event on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, doing so well. And he came from little Sterling, Kansas. And, uh, Great to see him. Uh, that, that just kind of reminded me of that the, with the Hutch, Hutch Golf team doing so well about um, how, how well he's doing, um, especially at the, at the highest level Absolutely. that you can play there on the PGA Tour. So, again, um, our, our schedule Absolutely. coming up again, I will Absolutely. have the Northern Valley and Cunningham six-man game on Ad Astra Radio tomorrow afternoon. That's a 5 o'clock game for you listeners and 445 will be the pregame, and then I'll have Cunningham again on Saturday if they win, and that time would yet to be determined. Um, Friday nights, our usual schedule, 645 for pregames, although Bueller is a 630 pregame. Um, 94.7, you and I will have Stafford at Central Christian, 95.9 Bueller at Circle, 100.3 Hillsborough at Trinity. We hope Kicks 106 will have Marion at Lions. If not, we may fill that slot with another game. Our stream game will be Heston at Clearwater. And the other Saturday on 94.7, I see this is also an early start for KU at K-State. I saw it listed as an 11 o'clock kick once again on Fox Sports 1. Again, uh, that's our weekly podcast view from the press box. Again, you can find this all over. Um, you can find it on Spotify and on Anchor FM and on Google Podcasts and numerous other areas. So if you like it, spread the word. But for this week's um, view from the press box, for Brad Hallier, this is Scott Hogan. God bless. Enjoy the games.